Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. For me, my husband actually was my main trigger. He was trying to run the London Marathon and he kept on getting injured and he thought to himself, what am I going to, what am I doing wrong? And he tried changing his trainers, changing his training routine and he decided that he would change his diet too. So he looked into what the ultra runners do. You know, people that run sort of one marathon, two marathon, three marathons in a row. Why? How do they sustain it? And what he realised when he read books like Rich Roll's Finding Ultra and Scott directs born to run they all had the same thing in common which was that they ate a whole foods plant-based diet so why are people so against being vegan why do they feel so angry about it whenever you're triggered by something it's helpful to look within because with anything what makes you angry is often the dark side of something that you recognize in yourself there's there's a lot of negativity around the idea of it being too much having you know when you look at health you think what's extreme about plant-based eating when you know, when, when we have a sort of normal Western-style diet, we're far more likely to suffer from something like heart disease, we're far more likely to therefore need an open-heart bypass. It seems quite extreme to me to have to actually transplant a coronary artery and sort of open up your chest wall and have an operation to try and open up those arteries when, if we're able to prevent it before that happening, then that, to me, seems far less extreme. Gemma. Hello. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Are you? <laughs> I'm not going to tell the audience what I did today, okay? But I made her traipse through London on the so day of a tube strike on like, is it like 30 degrees today as well? It feels 30 degrees. <laughs> um, so thank you for coming on. It's thank my you. pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm really happy to have you here. I'm really excited to have this conversation and we can see your lovely book here. One of how many? Well, this is my first book that I wrote completely by myself. Right. Um, another one potentially on its way. Very exciting. Um, but I've also contributed chapters to some other fantastic yeah. books, which I'm excited to talk about if you want. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to start with um, your journey and how you transitioned to a plant-based diet. Mm. So for me, it was definitely a journey, like you say. It's it's very rare that somebody just decides one day, right, that's it, I'm going to go vegan. Um, so for me... Like <laughs> really? I'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Bit of an extremist I am. Yeah, well, I mean, some people that works really well, they've made a decision, they know that you know, it's rooted in a core value that they suddenly think, right, I have to do this. And right. that works brilliantly. For a lot of people, especially for my patients, 
who are not obviously always 100% completely mm. plant-based, it's more of a journey towards discovering the joys of plants. Um, exactly. So for me, my husband actually was my main trigger. Um, wow. He's not medical at all. Okay. Uh, he was trying to run the London Marathon and he kept on getting injured. And right. he thought to himself, what am, I gonna, what am I doing wrong? And he tried changing his trainers, tr changing his training routine. And he decided that he would change his diet too. So he looked into what the ultra runners do. You know, people that run sort of one marathon, two marathon, three marathons in a row. Why? How do they sustain it? And what he realized when he read books like Rich Roll's Finding Ultra and Scott Jurek's Born to Run, Brendan Brazier, I think, wrote a book called Thrive. They all had the same thing in common, which was that they ate a whole foods plant-based diet. So he thought, mm, I'll give that a try. Okay. I was skeptical. I was thinking, oh no, this, this is going to be really inconvenient for one thing. We've yeah. never been invited to our friends' houses again. Nobody's going to, we'll be social pariahs. You know, that's yeah. what I was thinking about. <laughs> How am I going to go out ever again? Exactly. Um, but he did it and I was really curious to find out how he got on and he did amazingly. He was able to improve oh. his marathon running time by a massive amount, about an hour and 10 minutes faster he ended up running the London Marathon than his previous attempt. Oh my gosh, that's huge. It's huge, it's unbelievable. Um, and he was just so full of energy. He'd do like a half marathon in the morning and he'd come home and look after the kids and I thought, wow. I need to know more about this. So okay. I began to research some of the health benefits. Now, not being someone that's naturally an athlete myself, I have run the London Marathon a couple of times, but... A couple of times makes you an athlete, Gemma. Well, really? Sorry. <laughs> uh, a London Marathon is very difficult. I did a half and I'm still a bit scarred from it. I keep wanting to do the full, but one day. The full is, yeah, it's a different kind of uh, mission, let's yes. put it that way. But anyway, I am not somebody that considers myself to be athletic <laughs> as right. such. Um, but I wanted to know about the health benefits for my patients, because that's what yeah. I care about. So you know, how could it help with heart disease? How could it help with diabetes? How could it help with obesity? How could it help with a number of Western sort of chronic diseases? And I was really excited to find that the, the main body of the literature does suggest that it really can be helpful for all of those things. And so I decided to dip my toe in secretly. Mm -hmm. I thought I didn't want to lose face and just announce that I was doing it. I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. Okay. And um, I actually personally discovered some benefits too, which was nice. Okay. Um, I was able to bring my cholesterol down massively. Um, and I should say that I have a strong family history of heart disease myself. Okay. So my grandfather died suddenly of a heart attack whilst playing tennis. Um, oh my and my father, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know this when I was trying to sort of get fit and healthy in my 20s, but my dad was also um, going to suffer the same sort of fate. He had a big heart attack and died suddenly at 59. Oh. And so I knew that there was that risk um, mm. pretty much as soon as I potentially hit menopause myself. Mm. And I didn't realise there was anything I could do about it because right. I'd already, you know, made an effort in my 20s to get fit and healthy. I was eating loads of salad and, and, and you know, chicken and fish and doing all the mm. things that sort of society says, oh, you should do this, cut the carbs, you know. Yes. Um, all that kind of background noise. Mm. And I was healthy. I, you know, I was full of energy, but my cholesterol was still raised despite all my efforts. Um, whereas month into my um, plant-based experiment, I was able to normalize my cholesterol. And also the knee pains I used to get when I was running, even when I was in my 20s, I'd get knee pains so bad when I ran that I had to wear these knee supports. I had completely let go of those. I haven't needed those since, and I'm I'm 40 now. So Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the way you said you dipped your toe into it before kind of announcing it, because what happened with me, I think I rushed into the decision 
So I watched What the Health, like so many people, and I just thought, what the hell? Like, why am I <laughs> eating all of this stuff? And I just decided, like, I'm gonna go vegan. I was already vegetarian, um, and I did it for three years, but I struggled because I think the mistake I made um, was I was eating a lot of processed foods. Hmm. And I think I became unhealthier because when I would see any vegan alternative, like a croissant or a cake or a chocolate, I'd be like, oh my God, I never get this. And I kind of went into it in a very restrictive way rather than like a way of living. Hmm. It was like, I need to make sure I cut out these things. Hmm. So then when I found an alternative, it felt like a prize for me as such. Hmm. And what I found also is when I turned vegan, there was just so much judgment, hmm. you know, because I think some vegans, when they talk about it, they think they're like holier than thou. Mm. It puts people off turning plant-based. And like, there is a difference between being vegan and plant-based, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, what is the difference? So, I mean, if you look at uh, health benefits, you can say that there are definite health benefits from having a predominantly plant-based diet. Right. That doesn't mean that you have to be 100% vegan right. uh, or 100% plant-based. Um, you look at the blue zones, they eat 85 to 95% plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. You look at some of the big cohort studies of big populations of people who eat different kinds of dietary patterns and you find that the more plants they eat, the lower the risk of heart disease, cancer, and so on. Right. That being said, you don't necessarily have to go 100% for the health benefits. When you're talking about veganism, that's more of a, um, a way of living that seeks to exclude animal products wherever possible and practical in order to fulfill an ethical obligation. Mm. So it's a way of thinking, you know, I understand that there are, you know, 80 billion land animals a year killed for us to eat. I understand that there are, I don't know, how many trillion fish that are mm. killed every year for us to eat. We don't technically need to do that to be healthy and thrive. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. Why? So it's, it's kind of, when someone says that they are vegan, they're really looking not just even at food, but in all the ways in which we use animals day to day and aiming to reduce and minimize the, the harm done to them. That's quite different from, from just saying, oh, well, I have a, a plant-based diet because, I mean, I would personally consider a plant-based diet to be anything sort of north of 85% plant-based um, that you're eating. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's a slight difference there. One is, one is an ethical and moral framework I see. for living. The other is more of a practical idea of what you're actually putting in your mouth and on your plate. So do you feel some people say to you, well, Gemma, if you're plant-based, well, why do you still wear leather? Or why do you still buy this? Or why do you still do that? Some people, I think, when they say that they're plant-based or they're vegan, you're just put into this box. There's no transition phase allowed. No. So I remember when I- You find it on both sides. You find it from people who are vegan saying, you shouldn't be doing this. Right. And you find it from people who are omnivores saying, oh, well, you think you're better than me. Why are you wearing yes. that? <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. People always- People get defensive, People get they? so annoyed. And I put out, um, all I said in a podcast once was, if you are against people eating meat, you cannot be so annoyed if you wear leather. Mm -hmm. So if I'm wearing something leather, okay, and I'm like, so like, you're such a bad person for eating meat. I think that's contradictory. Yeah. And people were like coming at me to be like, it's not the same, animals aren't the same, it's not the same to wear them as, as to eat them. Now I have a very difference of opinion. Like you've just explained, there's a difference between being plant-based and there's a difference between being vegan. But being plant-based doesn't mean you're saying like you're against animal cruelty altogether, does it? You can say you're plant-based and not necessarily have an ethical framework around it. Oh. You might be doing it for environmental reasons. Right. You might be doing it for health reasons. Right. Um, but being vegan is when you're saying it for the morality of it. Yeah. As well, if right? you say if you say I'm vegan for the animals, it tends to be for the morality. Okay. For the avoidance of harm, should we say? <laughs> 
I watch so many debates <laughs> around veganism and people get very frustrated. I don't, I don't know if you've watched Piers Morgan. Uh, I, t I tend to try not to watch Piers he Morgan. He is right some, <laughs> look, I really like him, but I feel like his argument around veganism is just so extreme. He's so angry he that there's vegan alternatives, i.e. a Greg sausage roll. Yeah. You know, what's the harm in it? And I think the, the problem is with around veganism and, and people have such a bad perception of it is because people view it as a form of extremism mm. and they view it as like an exclusive club. And you know, you always hear these things that people say when they're vegan, you'll hear about it 300 times a year, right? That's all they can talk about. Why do you think people have such, you know, and like, and why, why are people so against being vegan? Why do they feel so angry about it? You've put the nail right on the head there. People feel angry and they are triggered. And whenever you're triggered by something, it's helpful to look within. Mm. Because with anything, what makes you angry is often the dark side of something that you recognize in yourself. Wow. So that doesn't necessarily apply to veganism mm. solely. But I think that if someone has an extreme emotional reaction against it, there's usually a reason why. Yes. And often when you look further into that, there may be a small part of them that actually thinks, hmm, this is probably the right way of doing things. I don't want to be made to feel bad about this, so I'm not even going to think about this. And quite often people project their own prejudices onto people who are just making a choice mm. to live in a certain way. Um, and that can be true of so many different things. That is so true. And I think I've spoken about this before about, around the personal responsibility of it. So, you know, some people, like you've just said, probably think, you know, it probably would be better if I ate healthy and I didn't eat fried chicken and I didn't eat a steak every weekend or whatever it is. I didn't eat meat six times a week. But I don't want to make that choice because I'll be fine and I have to then take the responsibility of controlling my diet. I have to then take the responsibility of looking after the environment. I have to then take the responsibility of saying, I'm going to be restrict. I'm going to control what I'm putting into my body. And so in order for me to be unconscious of that, I'll just say I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of reasons why people push against it. And you know, some of them... I mean, I always aim to listen at the end of the day, mm. and um, I'm not somebody that would ever push it on anybody else. Okay. Um, and certainly when I talk about eating more plants with my patients, I'm not telling them that they have to go vegan. Um, but I find it really interesting when I see other people's responses to it. And it's like you say, I think there's, there's a lot of negativity around the idea of it being too much. Um, mm. But actually, I mean, if you look at it, sort of logically and you take a step back it really seems quite extreme to me that as i mentioned before you know we kill 80 billion animals to feed 7 billion humans um and you know if we killed humans at the same rate then you know we'd all be extincted in three days <laughs> it's madness if that's you think crazy all the, all the resources that we use to feed mm. those animals as well and sort of you know we breed them we feed them we kill them and it's just this never-ending cycle that to me seems quite extreme um, even having, you know, when you look at health, you think what's extreme about plant-based eating when, you know, when, when we have a sort of normal Western style diet, we're far more likely to suffer from something like heart disease. We're far more likely to therefore need an open heart bypass. It seems quite extreme to me to have to actually, you know, um, transplant a coronary artery and sort of open up your chest wall and have an operation to try and open up those arteries when, you know, if we're able to prevent it before that happening, then that to me seems far less extreme. I completely agree. I was watching a debate um, yesterday and a couple of people were arguing about it and someone was saying, we're going to look back on ourselves in like 50 years and be like, how did we do that? Mm. When you think, and I think so many people are detached 
from actually seeing that animal being killed oh, gosh, to putting yeah. it into their body. And I've asked so many people, um, do you think you could kill an animal? And they're like, yeah, definitely. I definitely could. And I'm like, you could behead a chicken and the blood will go everywhere. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you see it on TV and people are like, oh my God, change it. <laughs> and I'm like, you do that. Like, that's what you're putting into your body. And there's such a detachment. I remember when I was younger, I used to eat meat when I was like eight or nine. And uh, my mum is like a strict vegetarian. Okay, so like some members of my family would give me meat and she used to hate it. And she took me to a zoo and she said, this is what you're eating. And I started crying. No. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sad. And I think so many people don't realize what they're doing because it's just such a norm in so many families. You know, you're raised to eat meat as part of a nutritious diet, as part of a balanced diet, as part of a healthy diet. Now, one of the things that um, I made the mistake of when I was vegan, I think I mentioned before, and I think so many people think that they will make the mistake of is eating processed foods. Mm. So especially if you've eaten meat and you have all of these alternatives made with soy and you know all of this stuff like beyond meat and everything and you're eating all of those alternatives is being vegan actually healthy it like you say it really depends on what you're eating mm -hmm. if you're eating ultra processed foods as a mainstay of the diet it's less healthy than if you're having you know a healthy mediterranean diet say with you know added fish or whatever else so yeah right. there's a you have to ask you know compared to what it's quite clear that when you replace saturated fats with monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats from plant sources, you're going to see some improvements in health. So right. if you're replacing, you know, a beef burger with, I don't know, let's say a bean burger, an extra avocado, like clearly that's going to be a healthier choice for you. Right. Having said that, I am really interested and curious to see what the data shows us about um, replacement meat products because I do think that we have to start embracing those as a culture if we're right. gonna, if we're going to actually move towards an environmentally sustainable planet. Um, just because we we cannot keep feeding and breeding all these animals to eat, it just our planet cannot sustain that Western diet. Right. So because people all have the same taste buds, they all have the same desires. It makes sense that these products are available mm -hmm. for people to enjoy. But I am curious to see how it's going to affect health longer term. There are some studies to suggest that, for example, you mentioned, you know, I think, was it the Beyond, Beyond Meat? Beyond Meat, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that has um, a higher salt content, which we know is not great for cardiovascular health, is you know, okay. the, the salt in it. Um, and it does contain saturated fat, I believe, from coconut oil. It's very oily. Having said that, uh, there was a study recently that showed that uh, meat replacements can be potentially healthier for your microbiome compared to meat-based products uh, when you're using them sort of regularly as a, as a like a meatball replacement or a burger replacement. Um, and it has less in the way, well, no heme iron, which has been associated with increased risk long-term of cancer. Um, it doesn't contain some of the uh, carcinogenic compounds that you get from meat when you're barbecuing it. Heterocytic amines, for example. Um, so a new 5 GC, which is another carcinogenic compound. Okay. So they're actually know what these things are. I'm like, I've never even heard of them. Well, crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many things we don't know of. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm sure yeah. people listening, watching this, are probably like, I didn't even know that that was within my meat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so yes, I think there is nuance. It depends what you're replacing it with, but we can't necessarily demonize the processed meats either, the 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 the, the plant-based alternatives, because we have to find Something. we have to find some common ground between people who enjoy those tastes and textures um, and want to continue to consume them. People are saying that there's a lot of risks of you missing out on nutrients, though, when you are having a plant-based diet. Mm. And that's because so many of the nutrients and vitamins and everything else that's found within these meats, some of them are actually really good for you. 
Yeah, so when you have a meat-based product, you're getting some vitamins and minerals, um, but you're also getting other things with them. I like to look at the protein package, if you like. So, you know, when you're eating things like lentils and beans and chickpeas and tofu and tempeh, you're getting these high-protein sources, but you're also getting other beneficial plant compounds alongside them, which is really, really helpful for a lovely, varied, vitamin and mineral, phytonutrient-rich diet. When you're having those in the meat products, you are getting some benefits, say, for example, you know vitamin k or zinc for example b12 but you're also getting other less beneficial compounds like i mentioned before Mm. and the beauty of a whole foods plant-based approach is that if you have a nice varied plant rich diet you're going to get an abundance of all of the different uh, vitamins and minerals that you need except perhaps b12 B12 is made from microbes in the soil. Ruminants uh, are able to provide us with B12 in their in their meat because right. they've processed it themselves. In fact, many um, of the factory farmed animals that we eat get given um, uh, B12 supplementation in their feed mm-hmm. so that we can then consume them and get that B12 from them. Right. So really, you know, in the modern age when we pretty much all of us will try various supplements at some point. Yes. There doesn't seem to be any harm to me in getting that pure B12 supplement so you're not kind of processing it through a cow. You're not giving the cow the supplement and then mm. eating the cow, you're just taking the supplement. It's interesting you talk about on protein because I think that's the hot topic with being vegan, right? Mm. How do you get any protein in a vegan diet? What, 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 are, the, what are the sources? How on earth do gorillas and <laughs> rhinos... How on earth? Uh, luckily for us, we can get plenty of protein on a plant-based <laughs> or vegan diet. Again, it's quite funny because if you look at the composition of uh, a general kind of healthy plant-based diet, you'll see that people will have more than enough protein to fulfill their needs. Um, Mm. It might be worth looking at more seriously if you're over the age of 65 because our muscle mass goes down year on year after a certain age and we're going to want to perhaps prioritise proteins more then. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there's plenty of things with protein. As I mentioned before, we've got the chickpeas, the lentils, the beans, (laughs) the tofu, the tempeh. um, And... Yes, there is also protein in, in many other plant foods, but just sort of slightly lesser proportion. Mm. And in loads of vegetables that I didn't know about either. Yes. What do you think the biggest um, barriers for people wanting to switch to a plant-based diet with your patients? What have you found that they've they've been very hesitant about? So some of them have embraced it wholeheartedly and had some amazing health benefits. Mm. For others, I think the biggest barrier is the the perception that it's going to be um, really difficult mm. because they're just not used to thinking or eating that way. Uh, once they've got a few recipes that they are enjoying that are very similar to what they'd already make, they gain in confidence yes. and, and they start to notice um, many health benefits often from that. Um, but I think, yeah, that's probably the main thing is the psychological barrier of thinking, oh, I don't know what to make, um, mm. just because they're not used to thinking about it that way. Um, and it's interesting because I work in an area where there's a fair amount of social deprivation. And what I've come to understand is that you know often people don't necessarily have the mental bandwidth to think about making changes when yes. you know if they're struggling or they're having to go to a food bank. Cost of living's gone up recently. Say, yeah. You know, it's really tough for people to actually kind of make those conscious choices and changes because they're struggling to make ends meet fortunately though i mean if you can cook and if you are able to to make sort of choices like um having more whole minimally processed plant foods uh, whole grains Mm. um and all of the like the legumes i mentioned it's actually far cheaper far cheaper than than buying some of the other options especially meat-based products Mm. but uh yeah you need to be able to cook them 
that's the problem I was going to say is so many people say that, you know, living in a plant-based world or eating completely vegan food is a lot more expensive, you know, and I think people think that because of the alternatives that are available. Yeah. And a lot of companies now have kind of ca- marketed their products in a certain way to be like, these organic kidney beans for like £3.50 are going to be the best ever, you know. And I think a lot of people are put off that. I remember when I was vegan, I used to buy chocolate for £2 a bar. Yeah. And now there's so many alternatives because Tesco and Sainsbury's and all of these uh, supermarkets are doing their own chocolates, right? And loads of the big brands, Galaxy, I think M&M, um, not, Gal- not M&M, Mars, Galaxy, all of these companies are introducing vegan versions. So it's a lot easier now. But what do you say to patients who are struggling with that cost element of transitioning into a plant-based diet? Well, it's interesting that you should say that because you're absolutely right. A lot of the replacements are marketed as more expensive. Mm. And I guess that's just because they're able to quite cheaply and, and you know, in, in sort of bulk ways, make things with lots of whey powder, milk powder, yes. things like that. They're just used to doing things that way. So when they have to put the extra effort into making something <laughs> different, they decide, well, we're going to charge more for more that. More for it, yeah. Um, that being said, we just look again at, at populations like the Blue Zones. You know, you look at people in um, Icaria in Greece or Sardinia in Italy. Mm. Loma Linda, California, where they as a huge vegan population, 100% plant-based. Wow. Um, you've got the, um, you know, the people in, in Costa Rica. So there's there's a, there's a number of different parts of the world where you've got the highest healthy longevity rates. People that live on average up to or around the age of 100. What are they doing? They're eating healthy plant foods, the cheapest foods on the planet, essentially. Wow. Um, you know, lots of uh, rice and uh, pulses and um, uh, potatoes and in fact actually legumes is one of the main factors in all of the blue zones right uh, things you know, like as i say lentils yeah. and beans and chickpeas so i mean these really are the cheapest foods on the planet yeah so you have two children i do are they both vegan or oh, sorry plant-based well, you don't have to apologise. Yeah, I think... You I know keep what? getting it mixed up. <laughs> and I think... It's I think okay. I you think it's like a, a lot, lot of people, people do, do that, right? Yeah. They, they use the terms interchangeably and it really okay. depends on why you're doing it. So I'd say probably if I was going to be really specific about it, I think my older son is would say he was vegan. My younger son, if you, if you were to ask him, he's probably more just plant-based because right. he hasn't necessarily put the same amount of thought into it. Okay. So my 10-year-old is very um, keen on the ethics around harming animals. He loves okay. animals. Mm. Um, he doesn't like the idea of going to a zoo because he doesn't yes. like to see the animals trapped. Right. Um, he's. We went to an animal farm a few years back and we were collecting eggs and he didn't like the fact that they were, you know, there and, you know, that they were they were not able to just roam freely and and he wouldn't want to eat them so for him right. I think he probably does stem more that from the ethics vegan. side yes. yeah but anyway it's interesting yeah yeah so <laughs> I think a lot of people um, are very judgmental hmm. around if the parents are vegan you're enforcing that view on your child is what I've heard people say because I'm vegetarian and I would like to raise my kids to be vegetarian just because I think that at the age of 10, once they're going to school, and I feel like they're at that age where they can really understand what it is, if they then decide to eat meat, then it's fine. But if I've raised them to eat meat, I because I feel like it's unnecessary, in my opinion, I think you can have a healthy diet with a vegetarian diet, vegan diet, whatever. I think that they could turn around to me one day and say, why did you put dead animals into my body? But some people are saying to me, I'm not even, I'm not even married, I don't have children yet, but it's one of the things I've thought about. <laughs> 
And we've debated this a lot with my cousins who do have children. They're saying you're enforcing your view on your children. And a lot of people say that around vegan parents who are saying, well, you've enforced this view on your child and now it's impossible for them to think differently. Have you had that backlash? No, I haven't. <laughs> um, I can understand where that comes from though, because it comes back down to the human emotions. We're, we're funny creatures, humans. Mm. You know, we have a lot of emotions around the things that we think people should and shouldn't do. We do. And we have a lot of cultural and traditional um, ways of doing things that we would want to share with our children. Mm. So some people decide to raise their children with a religious framework. Right. You might be a Muslim family mm. or a Christian family. You may be a family of Hindus. And so for someone to turn around to them and say, well, you're just enforcing that view on your children, though they have no choice over that. Wow. I never thought principle. about that. That's a great argument for me. Thank you. Well, <laughs> it's true. You know, we all decide how we want to live. Mm. And then we aim to sort of imbibe Yes. our children with a similar way of looking at the world yes. and you know when you make a decision to minimize um, harm and widen your circle of compassion I guess it's natural that you'd want to share that with your children that's so powerful because I've heard so many people say to vegan parents or talk about them not say directly to them they wouldn't have the guts um, but I've heard people talk to me about them like oh she doesn't even let her kid eat cake at a birthday party you know like her poor son has to go there and eat this like grass-fed sugar-free cake because like, you know, he can't have anything with like eggs or, you know, um, any dairy products in it. And I think there's such a judgment yeah. on people enforcing this veganism. And you know, when people say like, oh, well they converted me. People will say that about people eating meat all the time. Like my brother will say all the time, like, oh, I was converted by my cousins or whatever. Um, and nobody looks at that as like this kind of like extremism, like forcing you to do it. But when someone says like, if I said, oh, my friend converted me to be vegan, people would be like, oh my God, poor you. <laughs> and people always say, say, used to say this to me actually, they'd be like, oh, you're vegan. Like, what do you eat? Mm. Tell me some of the real health benefits that you see very quickly from transitioning into a plant-based or vegan diet. So the main thing I would say is that what you're doing is you're replacing things that could potentially cause harm with things that are potentially healthful. And it's gonna look different for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I can speak about the literature and I can speak about personal experience. So mm. you know, when we look at large cohort studies of big groups of people, mainly the Epic Oxford trials or the Adventist health studies in the US, um, you've also got the um, nurses health study, health professionals follow-up study. Mm -hmm. These are big quality ongoing studies of overall health with different dietary patterns. Right. And what you see again and again is the more plants people eat in these big cohort studies, the healthier they are, the lower their risk of heart disease, the lower mm -hmm. their risk of cancer, the lower their risk of diabetes, uh, lower their risk of struggling with their weight. And of course then, you know, you're looking at these knock-on effects of reducing cholesterol, for example, which is an important risk factor for heart disease. Um, and so, you know, those are the main ones that you see if you look at it as a broad overview right and then you look more specifically at you know, individuals like for example I have a patient of mine who was excited to try a plant-based diet because she wanted to improve her diverticulitis we know that with the western style diet um, things like bowel cancer are far more prevalent right uh, you know processed meat is a class one carcinogen according to World Health Organization wow. back in 2015 uh, red meat is a class two carcinogen according to them um, so she wanted to reduce her diverticulitis because she was eating a lower fiber diet, 
increasing plant foods increases fiber. Mm. So she wanted to do that. And she got a lot of health benefits. Her IBS settled down as well. Um, but also, you know, she suffered from chronic kidney disease. She suffered from um, asthma. She also suffered from um, a, a liver disorder. And what oh. she actually found was that all of the different things that she was suffering from began to improve to the point where she no longer needed to have her life controlled by specialist hospital appointments, you know, to see the lung specialist for her asthma, to see the uh, nephrologist for her kidney function, to see the gastroenterologist. You know, she didn't have to go back because she'd improved so much that they discharged her from clinic. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And you know, you see someone like that, they, they walk in the, the surgery, they sit in front of you and they look like a completely different person. Um, same with hormonal benefits. You know, mm. I've, I've had many patients that really have benefited, again, from the increased fiber content um, and actually minimally processed soy products to help with hormonal symptoms, especially leading wow. up to the menopause. Mm. Um, it can help to reduce the symptoms of things like endometriosis and fibroids, for example. Wow. Um, it ca it's been shown to help reduce the risk of prostate cancer. Um, and yeah, I think it's just- There's just so many, isn't there? Are there are so many. And I think, you know, th we have this very, I think a lot of the time people who eat uh, plant-based or, or say to people, oh, I'm vegan, you know, there is that negative judgment. Mm. And I mentioned to you about how, you know, often we, that, that emotion, it does come from somewhere deeper. You have to look within. Yes. I think often people say, you know, well, surely you're biased because mm -hmm. if you're promoting this and eating this, then you must be biased. Well. If I have read the data and I've decided to live in accordance with what I believe the data to show, then it would surely be hypocritical of me to, to do anything to otherwise. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think there are some people who inflict that shame on others as well, and I think that's what makes people get defensive. Mm. So if I'm sitting here saying, well, I'm vegan because I care about animals and you don't, you know, mm. or like, you yeah. know, my body's a temple and yours is a graveyard. You know, you hear people <laughs> saying a lot of That's a bit stuff. of a gut punch, isn't it, for someone <laughs> to say that? <laughs> Because it automatically, you make, nobody in this world wants to feel like they're a bad person. No. So if you're going to tell people that they're a bad person because they eat meat, it's very hard for them to see your point of view because you're already just criticizing them and judging them. Mm. And I think the important thing now that we're seeing is that loads of people are writing books, loads of people are doing documentaries, loads of people are doing talks. We're being educated around the benefits of transitioning slowly to a plant-based diet. You don't need to just flick the switch and say, I'm going to do it. And you know, I'm better than everyone else because I'm doing it. It's about you and where you want to go. And the health benefits are very individual. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and someone said the w number one thing that has helped their mental health is switching to a plant-based diet. Yeah, I, it's very interesting. Which I've is actually, crazy. Yeah, no, I've read a lot of studies around, um, in fact, this is a, another area that I suppose we probably haven't got too much time to touch yeah. on, but um, eating disorders and eating disorder clinics, there are a lot of people who've had to live with bulimia, mm. anorexia nervosa, and in eating disorder clinics, a lot of the time, um, veganism is essentially banned because it's seen as another form of control. And right. so they're forced often to eat meat products. Um, and there are also studies to show that people who ha have actually, rather than necessarily adopting a flexitarian sort of low carb approach, if people are actually sort of ethical um, vegans, there's actually a reduced risk in those cohorts of people of eating disorders or disordered eating because they've actually found 
a meaning and a purpose to what they're eating, which is over and above mm. themselves and the control that they wanted to necessarily exert on their bodies, which I found really fascinating. So they are eating a vegan diet because of that? Yes. But isn't that, like you've just said, don't you think that is perhaps, if, some, if I'm someone who suffers with a way of controlling what's going into my body isn't that another way of doing it but is it's like a is it like a placebo like a health benefit it's like a two-in-one well because i guess you're trying to get rid of that you're doing it right. so what uh when you look sort of do a more of a deep dive into the the research around disordered eating i think the the bottom line is you have to ask yourself the question am i doing this in order to control my consumption am i doing this in order to lose weight and you know, am I doing this solely for health reasons, and is it is it completely distracting every thought of every day? Got it. And like quite, obsessive. Yeah, mm. and quite often it's the people who have decided to do it for weight loss um, or for aesthetic reasons that tend to then perhaps struggle more with um, you know with the idea yes. of, of disordered eating. Whereas if you're doing it. Um, just because you know you're vegetarian or you decided I'm going to be vegan for the environment or mm. for ethical reasons, then your focus is is external rather than internal. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. So before we close, I have a little tradition that I started. Mm. Do truth, tell. Truth or dare? Oh my goodness! Well, that could be dangerous. <laughs> Where are the sambukas? <laughs> I did actually ask if we could do truth, dare, or shot. But it's, it's like midday right now. So we could take a shot of the herbal tea if you like. Well, maybe not have got quite the same effect, but yeah, go for it. Truth or dare. Which would you like? Um, mm, truth. Okay. <laughs> What's your biggest regret? Hmm. My biggest regret. It's interesting because when people are talking about the topic of plant-based nutrition, mm. often I speak to people who decided to go vegan and they always tend to say that their biggest regret is not doing it sooner. Right. Um, I don't regret that because I think that we are all on our own journeys through life. And if I were a different person living a different life with different experiences, I'd make different choices. Right. So... It's hard for me to think of something I regret. There are things that have happened that I wish hadn't happened. There are mm. things that I've said or done that I wish I hadn't. But when you take a step back and look at the big picture, you understand that it was all really part of that ex sort of learning experience. And there are certain things that happened as a result of those actions, which yes. then turn into positives. I remember this parable that I heard, and I, I'm paraphrasing. Okay. So it may not be 100% accurate, but uh, there was there's this parable about this man in rural China, let's say, mm -hmm. and he and his son lived in a little hut and um, they found some wild horses and the wild horses, his son was able to tame one of the wild horses and they helped with, the, with, with gathering the crops and the neighbors all said, oh, aren't you so lucky? And the, you know, the man, the farmer said, we'll see. And then his son was out with the horse in the in the fields and mm -hmm. the, the horse decided to buck, dropped the son onto the ground, the son broke his legs, mm -hmm. um, he was immobile. And then a war started and all the young men were conscripted from the village and the neighbors said, aren't you so lucky yeah. because your son is not um, being sent off to war? And he said, yeah, we'll see. 
And then obviously then with the passage of time, I think what else happened then? I think there was another horse that came to the other horses and then there were three horses and then he was able to recoup some of his losses. And the neighbor said, you're so lucky. And he said, we'll see. Right. Um, and I like that story because it shows us that the events of this life, sometimes we have no control over whatsoever. Sometimes the things that we worry most about are completely inconsequential. And then the things that floor us are the things that you just never expected. So I really try not to dwell too much on the what ifs. I love that. I listened to um, David Letterman's interview with Will Smith. And in that, Will Smith said, 99% of the problems that we worry about never happen. Mm. They're in your mind. Yeah. They're things that you're thinking about 24 seven. And I'm a warrior. Like I think about things all the time. And after listening to that, I mean, he he practiced ayahuasca. We won't go into that, we don't have time for that. But practiced ayahuasca, did this whole spiritual kind of journey. But that really stuck with me because I thought everything I used to worry about when I was younger, none of it is happening now. No. And so many of us fixate on what could go wrong hmm. instead of what could go right. Yeah, but it's a good lesson to learn. It is. Let it go in the words of Elsa from Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. I really, really, really appreciate it. And everyone should go and buy Gemma's book. I'm going to hold it up here. Oh, yes. Bit of promo. Bit of promo. The Plant Power Doctor, a simple prescription for a healthier you. <laughs> not you very good great. at this am i <laughs> take a little screenshot <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank i'm very excited you. to i'm very 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 excited to make some recipes from here hey everyone thank you so much for listening to this podcast wherever you're listening or watching if you could press the like follow and subscribe button it would mean the world to me